You guys, I'm exhausted, but it's part two of storytelling out of four. So we're halfway and I am very excited because this is the start of more storytelling in high school. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to my podcast, which is at the corner of peace in mind with your host, Trinity Gwen. If you're new to this series, I talk about all the music I've ever played in high school and how storytelling really makes the music and how much I really love music and all of that such. It's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, (laughs) I was trying to see if there's anything else. Um, I've just been working constantly and my body is tired. I, if you, okay. If you ever go to Walmart and get your groceries picked up and the people come out there and they give it to you, that is what I was doing the entire shift from 7 a.m. to 1.30. Well, to like 1.10 because I'm not going to call myself out. I'm not going to tell on myself. <laughs> but let's get right into it. So we've got a couple of pieces. We've got the big cage. We've got Everdays. Sweet, The Hounds of Spring, Alcazar, or I think I might have butchered that a little bit, but it's fine. And then we've got Fantasy of Flight, a medley by John Williams, or not by John Williams, but John Williams' pieces, you know, (laughs) things like that. And that's what we'll be getting into. So anything else that I need, anything else that I need to bring up to you guys? Um... Other than just me working, it's just been a little hectic. You know, I'm getting better slowly but surely, and it's good. Um, I took myself out to eat yesterday. I went to Olive Garden by myself. Um, It was a good experience. I've taken myself out to places before. Um, But you always feel like everyone's looking at you. I'm putting my headphones in my phone to finesse this thing that we did last time because it actually worked really well and sometimes if you if you had a hard time listening to some of the pieces it's because recording in an orchestra can be a little bit difficult so that everything blends together and sometimes before the pieces come out or they release sometimes the volume is a little bit adjusted and all of the volume levels that I have for each song are not the same. Um, when we get to the senior part, there's a piece called Danza Number 2, and it's just, it's really great, but when I listen to it, it's such it's at such a low volume. I don't know why, but I don't know. But um, we're going to listen to Big Cage. So, Trin, get this set up. Big Cage by Carl King. It's one of those pieces that were really difficult, but it wasn't too big for me to handle. It was, um, it's kind of a circus piece that reminds me of a lion in a cage. Hence the big cage. Why is it acting like this song doesn't exist? (laughs) Maybe it's just big cage. Wait, wait, I think I saw it. It is the big cage. What's the, what's the problem? All right. All right. The big cage. It's very chaotic, very fast, but at this beat, if I can remember, 
We went at maybe five beats slower than this piece. And you know, playing a trombone and not having any valves, it's kind of hard trying to get everything together when you're first learning this piece. And when pieces like marches and you know, circus pieces, they're mostly played in 2-4 or 2-2 cut time. Everything is 8th notes, 16th notes, so it's relatively faster. And when we play in 16th notes, we have to make them all value the same. Unless they're written to be played in a certain way. But it's very chaotic. Just, you know, you think about... You can pause this track. There was actually like 25 seconds left of the song. <laughs> but Thunder and Blazes, you're probably like, Thunder and Blazes? What's that? You guys know what Thunder and Blazes is, but I will play it for you guys just so you know what I'm talking about. Um, very well-renowned melody. Every time you think of that song, you think of the circus. Um, that's the storytelling with that one. I will get to, actually, let's see. Let's get to Acrostic Song. I actually don't. I hated Everdays. I Everyone hated it, to be honest. We actually, it was one piece, but it had like four or five, four or five movements in it. And you would like maybe a couple of them, but they weren't the best, you know, but you have to play everything. So let's get to Acrostic Song. Acrostic Song by David Del Tradici wrote this piece, almost like a lullaby concluding the books of Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. So um, fun fact, the f original the uh, <laughs> the original recording of this was recorded by the CSO, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. So let's get into it. Try and get that put up. I should usually just have these on the queue. Okay. When I think of acrostic song, I think of. I used this analogy last time, but this makes it better. It makes me think of a wedding, to be honest. Actually, I didn't use that an analogy in the last piece, but it makes me think of a wedding. Um, everyone's walked down the aisle, but the bride and the groom are just staring at each other and all of each other. Yeah, it doesn't make me think of Alice in Wonderland at all, because <laughs> I wasn't a big Lewis Carroll person. I just knew of his work. It's a great piece. Now, let's get into my favorite so far. Alcazar. I don't know how to pronounce it. So sorry. Um, let's pause it actually. <laughs> let's see here. Let's go to Alcazar. 
What's going on? Sorry, that song has been in my head for weeks now. So <laughs> let's play it. It's a Spanish overture uh, for band. Um, I played another piece that was kind of in the Spanish realm in my first year of uh, college called Don Ricardo. So maybe we'll play that in my last part. Um, when I think about this song, it's kind of a cliche, but I really do think about it. I think of a bullfighter and a dancer because this piece is very flamenco. Um, it's kind of in your face. It's just a very aggressive bullfighter. I actually, you know, I think about the story of the Book of Life, you know, the two bullfighters that try to fight for the girl. Um, and she hates violence. She loves animals. So none of this is kind of pleasing her at all, but the crowd is going crazy over these bullfighters. They just see them in their realm. And I think about the bull in this part just very stubborn just like why are you waving this red blanket in front of me very stubborn now the bull fighter and the bull are going back and forth with each other and then the princess is just looking and she's just like eh, I could rather be somewhere else Actually, maybe we'll go through this whole song, because it's great. And then the other bullfighter in the crowd is like, I could do way better, because trumpets are just so out there, and they're so obnoxious. And they challenge each other at this point. The suspense is building up. The crowd's like, ooh, these two bullfighters are trying to fight over the girl. This is really what kind of goes on in my head when I listen to pieces or I play them. It's fun. You should try it. And then at this point, the two bullfighters are kind of fighting each other. Now it's kind of getting a little immature because, you know, they're wrestling and stuff and the crowd's like, uh, what's going on? The princess is just kind of annoyed, so she wants to go over and comfort the bull. She walks into the rink, and then the two bullfighters are too busy fighting each other. They realize, wait, she's going to be in a very scary situation, and then the bull sees her. It's like the bull can tell that she's, she's not going to be here to harm you at all. The flute is the princess trying to reassure the bull with her eyes. And they kind of get close to each other. But they haven't touched yet. But you can get to the part where I can tell when they start to touch. The princess is kind of inching closer. The bull is inching closer. Being a little curious with his nose. The two bullfighters are looking in... They're scared to death because the lady that they're fighting over could be mauled in seconds. 
And then she looks at all the bulls' scars. She almost cries a little bit. And then the bull realizes that she can he can finally trust her. They're kind of dancing with each other. It's not like a <laughs> it's not like a jig. It's just a really small, it's like a it's like a waltz. I almost think of Ferdinand. You know the book Ferdinand that He's a bull, but all he wants to do is just smell the flowers. This is all the bull wants to do, but he's always being seen as a bull. And everyone in the crowd is just like, oh, that's our princess. She's so gentle, she's so sweet. But the bullfighters in the back of their minds are like, we can't trust this bull. Let's try and fight him together. They're plotting, they're plotting. But back, we pan back to the princess and the bull. They understand each other and they're great friends. And their dance is coming close to an end. And they realize everything's gonna be okay. She hates it, but she's hers now. And then all of a sudden the bullfighters come and fight. <laughs> And then the bull's like, what the hell's going on? And we're back into this whole charade, this whole runaround. It's like the whole thing that just happened went right over the bullfighters' heads. Now all three of them are fighting each other. The bull is, it's like a sequence like in Tom and Jerry. Like, a Tom is chasing Jerry and then Jerry is chasing Tom and then Tom bumps into the bulldog and then the bulldog is chasing all three of them and then she gets upset the princess gets upset she storms out <laughs> she's kind of mad at the bull too and the bull realizes ah oh, I just messed up I just made her upset I disappointed her but these people are chasing me so Yeah. And then the chase is almost done. And finally the princess comes in and she just has both of her hands on the bullfighter's ears and she's staring really angrily at the bull like why would you do this? And then that's it. That's how I think of this song. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I hope you were transformed and, you know, you can see that. Um, Hounds of Spring is next. We were explained multiple, like multiple themes of this song, but the obvious from the title, the Hounds of Spring are literally hounds coming into spring or hounds going outside in spring, smelling flowers, but, our conductor, our teacher at the time, Miss um, Collier, fun fact, she actually worked at Disney for a little bit. <laughs> she had a baby around, um, before COVID actually. 
and she named her son Walt for Walt Disney, which I thought was pretty funny. Not in like a funny, like make fun of you way, but I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, the Hounds of Spring also kind of resembles what it feels like or what it sounds like of getting a first kiss, of having your first kiss. And I was like, you know what? She might be on to something. So, Hounds of Spring. It's like you just like left the person's lips and you're like, oh my gosh, I just kissed this person. I'm on top of the world right now. I'm on cloud nine. And you're in that small butterfly moment, like that small window of like, oh, I was right. They like me. I like them. We both like each other. Nothing could, nothing could ever not make this, this, this moment great. Um, there's another part, Trin, skip to 2.15. Now this part of the song, now I don't really think much of the kiss at this part of the song. I think of just just the idea of being in love in general is what I think about. It's almost like that, it's not puppy love, but it's like hopeless romantic love. It's dreamy, it's it's really gooey. It's almost at that point where it's like, you can't think of anything else. the clarinets and the brass, they all kind of meld into each other because it's like that's what love is. Everything melts together. Everything is so mushy. And it's this part is like looking at them for the first time. That part was like, it's like look tag, like you find them looking at you and then you look away and they catch you doing it. That's fun. That's what I think about. I think about a lot of different stages of love in this piece. Not just like the first kiss, but a lot of, just a romantic song in general. This part is like, like the first being married kiss. 
I love that song. Um, was that all of the pieces that I played sophomore year? If so, I do have this song from junior year because there are a lot of pieces in junior year. Junior year is like probably the best because it's one of those things you don't realize is gone until it's gone or like something you realize you don't have. Wait, wait, I got it. I know it. I know it. Um. <laughs> I forgot. I know that I know the phrase. Sometimes you have to realize how good you have it until it's gone. Because junior year was exactly that. Just having a normal high school life and then COVID came and nothing was the same ever since then. Um so junior year is very, very special. So I think I'm gonna check. I had my mom send me um all of my programs because I kept all of them because of course um of all of the pieces I ever played in high school so I've been going back and forth and you're probably like Trin how do you know all of these songs I mean even if I didn't ask my mom I would have remembered majority of the songs that I played in high school because I listened to them every once in a while not every once in a while every day (laughs) it's in my classical playlist if you hadn't figured it out classical is my favorite genre i'm not trying to be one of those people who's like oh she's trying to be different oh she likes clap like i really do enjoy classical music you know it's so much fun listening to a piece that doesn't have lyrics in it when no one's speaking no one's singing of course i, I love and like i love lyrical pieces but knowing not knowing the real story of a piece makes it, I don't know, it, it makes it better because when I studied college writing, when I had a college writing class, we learned about the different theories of literature. And one of them, which is my favorite, is um, reader's response theory, which talks about how a certain piece is subjective to the reader and how that perspective can create a new meaning for everyone else because everyone comes from different life walks of life and if you're interpreting some piece from something else that's subjective to you because you've gone through the experiences that you've had other than somebody else because just as I read um my year of rest and relaxation. There are a lot of people who don't like that book because it can be a little bit cynical. It's a little pessimistic. But because of my experiences and all the things that I've gone through, I love that book. It's great to me. It has a special place in my heart for me, as, as well as Cersei and Bojack Horseman. And I think everyone thought Bojack Horseman was going to be one of those things that was like Rick and Morty and just stupid adult cartoon humor when it really wasn't and you're probably like who wants to watch six seasons of a depressed horse but there are so many people that have gravitated towards this horse and the characters surrounding him because of reader's response theory of things like that um I don't know I love it I love literature I love all that um 
the human experience in general is just something I really admire. Let's see what else. I want to make sure that I have all the pieces that I like to play. Oh, Yorktown Centennial? I play every year. <laughs> I remember telling you guys that we had to play uh, March every year. We had to play a Sousa piece every year. At least one. At least one. Okay, so fantasy on a theme. What was that piece? Because we had two songs. We had Fantasy on a Theme and we had Fantasy of Flight. Oh, goodness gracious. I hated that song. We had this piece. It was like we were learning about Gregorian chants. And it was one of those things that it just sounded really bad. But that's just how it was written. And you'll un there's a certain way that you accept something for how it's written or how it's supposed to be like art you know like you may not understand it but you can appreciate it for what it is it was one of those things I just couldn't I couldn't appreciate because I was like this sounds terrible like this maybe this sounds better sung than it is with instruments maybe that's why it was just a chant and this shouldn't have been transcribed into <laughs> wind piece uh, maybe I would have experienced I had a better experience listening to it than having to play it because everyone I think it also goes into how a piece is played if you're into the piece you know what I mean whenever we got a new piece to, to practice we had to first sight read it look it over listen to the recording um well technically the first thing we always do was number the measures uh, I don't know. I think the longest that I've had a piece was maybe like 300 measures. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Don't hold me to that. But we had, we always um, numbered the measures and listened to the recording. And like I mentioned in the first episode, look at the key signature. If we had um, flats, uh, like E's had to be flat we would write a flat note next to every E that we play so that we would remember because sometimes if I play, no, it's actually the other way around because if I had to play an E natural, because every time, I think I had mentioned this in the first episode that wind instruments are always prone to playing in flats as to string players are always playing in, in naturals or sharps. Sharps specifically, yeah, sharps. And if we have, I don't know, if we had a piece, a piece that was playing in, I don't know, B flat major or F, actually F major, um, and I'm pretty sure that, let me make sure that I'm right. I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> the F major scale, everything was flat except for d i mean everything was natural except for b so everything that had to be played had to play, be played natural except for b flat so if i'm looking at a piece and it's playing in f in the f major scale and i'm looking at an e i'm more than likely always playing an e flat so i have to remind myself that oh this is natural so i have to do this once we do our first playthrough and everything like that, and oh, just make sure, oh, saxes, know that this A is flat. And sometimes, because music is like this, they will write 
that a piece is playing in a certain scale or in a different key in a certain key but sometimes it'll be printed to play it in a different key you know what i mean like if i'm saying if the if the key is saying to play in play in e flat and measures later it will literally have it printed to play in E natural or something or the opposite of what I just said. I'm sorry. This is probably really confusing for everyone. <laughs> it's fine. You guys get it or at least try to. Rewind a couple times if you don't. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else did I play? It's actually getting on my nerves right now because I am looking at these and then I go back to a different tab in my phone. And if you look at pictures from your, like, oh, this is where we send pictures, it, it, cancels you out it like x is out of your screen so then you have to go right back into your pictures and scroll oh it's annoying i'm so tired oh jubilant overture that is what it was and it was it was it was like it was like someone stepping on bagpipes that's <laughs> that's what i remember it sounding like oh my goodness okay that's definitely what we're gonna do we're gonna switch out one of the pieces for what I had junior year into the ones I had um, that we're going to do for this episode. So with Sword and Lance, of course we're going to do a piece um, every episode we'll have is with a march. So with Sword and Lance, let's get it started. So um, a lot of, you know, marches, I think of troops, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, this song is just kind of a course of a couple days. So in this song, the war is over. And I don't know how it worked at that time, but this is my story and I'm telling it. So this part of the song, the wives and all the families back at home are getting, you know, seeing the news that the, the war is over and they're getting letters from their families, their husbands, their brothers, their uncles. All the men are sending their letters back saying, we're coming home, we're coming home. Um, and this is everyone, this is all the troops getting on ships, getting on planes, getting on anything they need to do to get back home. This is just kind of the, the voyage from war to back home. And this is like, this is a course over a few days, like I said. You know, all the war friends, all the the troops are saying bye to their lieutenants. Um, everyone's saying goodbye. Everyone's splitting their separate ways. One friend might have been stationed. These friends might have been stationed in Normandy, but one was from Milwaukee. Another one was from Nebraska. They're all going back home. They're getting on different planes. Now everyone's landed. All the troops are getting welcomed with a parade. Actually, no, not a parade. This is, I'm thinking of something else. You know when um, troops come back and they have to do that tap thing? They're all lined up and all the families are coming back. There's like babies that have never seen their dads before finally getting to walk to them and they're all getting hugs. It's just a big happy thing. 
Everyone's gotten tapped out. Everyone's walking home. The wives are kissing their husbands. Everyone's hugging. The war is over. No more war. No one died. <laughs> I wish. It's a happy ending. Everyone's walking home. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's applauding. Everyone's hugging one more time. No more war, ever. That was with Sword and Lance. That was probably one of my favorite marches. But that is it. Um, this is actually a shorter episode than, than I thought. But I am having a lot going on. I'm throwing a birthday party soon because my birthday is in two months. A little under two months. I don't know the technicalities. But I have been exhausted, and I'm going to be editing this episode and other things and getting ready for something else. Oh, work is never done. But the little message that I have for everyone is from me. Um, another one for me is don't forget to live for you. Um, it's fun. Sometimes you forget. Um, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes you kind of get built up in your school schedule and, you know, you have your friends and it's good to be always like hanging out with your friends, but don't forget to live life for you, like live for you. And sometimes, sometimes you realize you're not even living at all. Um, so don't forget to do that. It's fun. <sighs> I love you guys. I'll see you soon.